2: Is it normal to get heartburn? Is it normal for your ankles to swell up? Is it normal that my nipples hurt so much? Is it normal to sometimes feel claustrophobic or with feeling the baby move inside you? Hello and welcome to Is It Normal, the pregnancy podcast with me, Jessie Ware. This podcast follows my pregnancy journey and over the course of the series, I've been joined by some amazing experts to reassure and inform you about all aspects of pregnancy and eventually giving birth. We are now at 26 to 28 weeks. How are you all feeling? I hope you're feeling okay. It's feeling quite real now. The countdown is on and I'm joined by the fantastic consultant obstetrician, Jess McMicking, to talk about some of the symptoms I've been feeling. But also we have some questions from other pregnant people too. So hello again, Jess. Thanks for coming back. It's been a long night for you, hasn't it?
0: Uh, well it's it's made my day to be here today don't worry about that (laughs) there was a delivery this morning then nothing like an early start to the day
2: (laughs) congratulations to the pregnant person that's just given birth and Jess has delivered and now Jess is doing the podcast with us and has had two coffees and is ready to answer our questions (laughs) how does does it does that thrill of delivering a baby never get old
0: Oh, definitely not. I think I think when it does start to leave, I think that's a sign to start retiring, if you ask me. <laughs> oh, man. But no, each, each journey is a very different and unique one. And I think you'd probably be able to say that according to your different children and I guess the birth experience that was involved with
2: that. Well, listen, I'll keep it short and sweet for you because actually I'm feeling <laughs> all right, Jess. My symptoms are quite minimal, I think. Maybe it's because I'm working potentially too hard and I'm very busy, but I'm very lucky that I'm working and I'm, I'm busy. But one of the only issues I've had in the past week was this recurring stitch on one side of my kind of my bump, which I couldn't work out. And it would happen when I was exercising or walking up a hill. I live by a hill and I was like, I need to be able to work this out because I can't just sit in my room for the next 14 weeks so I went to an osteopath and he's alleviated it but my my osteo said that it was my diaphragm which you know you you think is right under your rib cage and actually but but my but my pain was kind of quite near my groin but it wasn't I don't think it was pelvic girdle and so, but he said, yeah, it was all kind of constricted there. Now, is it quite normal for pregnant people to be getting stitches and it to kind of
0: be like almost like a ruminate, ruminating diaphragm issue? I think, you know, you brought up a very common symptom, um you know, stitch-like pain, rib-like pain, you know, twinges here and there. And what we just have to understand is obviously our um, our bodies or our torso is all connected together by lots of different ligaments and muscles. So yes, in fact, you know, you can easily pull a muscle. So quite commonly, um, you can pull um, the ones along sort of our intercostal area, um, the lower abdomen, um, and these can cause stitch-like symptoms. What I always say is if you you have a sharp pain and you don't have bleeding and you don't have pain when you go to the toilet and your baby's moving, you know, it's probably something that's quite benign or something that's musculo related um, that, you know, either your midwife, your obstetrician or if you're lucky enough to have an osteopath, they can definitely assess um, and go from there. But yeah, definitely a very common symptom.
2: So Jess, yeah, I'm actually, I'm feeling okay. I'm kind of feel excited. I'm starting to feel... Like, I'm needing to prepare for what's about to happen in 14 or 16 weeks, probably 16 weeks for me. Um, but what are some of the other common symptoms or issues pregnant people may face around the 26 to 28 week period?
0: Well, it's great to hear that you're feeling so well um, because I, I think recalling back a few weeks ago, we weren't quite in that place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so this is obviously a really exciting time because as we know, you know, that official third trimester, you know, kicks in at the 28 week mark, things feel a bit more real, you know, you can start to pack your maternity bag, all those sorts of things that really add to the excitement of a pregnancy. Should I have packed Um, a maternity bag by now? (laughs) No, no, I I didn't mean to scare you then. Don't worry. Uh, (laughs) When, when would you actually suggest to do that? Oh, it's a good question. You know what? I don't. I don't think there's any harm in being prepared, especially if it's your first mm-hmm. baby. You know, your third baby, you can probably just rattle together a few things. You know, you can send your husband home and grab a few things that might be lying around the house if you forget something. But maybe I guess you know, it's something um, we'll no doubt we'll talk about in future episodes. But probably you know, around 32, 34 week mark, I would recommend packing your bag then. Okay um from i guess where we're at now so that's this 26 to 28 weeks uh one of the the big things that can take place and that's for some women uh in their pregnancy is that they will undergo what's called gestational diabetes screening now within the united kingdom we approach this where we don't screen all women interestingly and so what we do is we pick out of all the pregnant women, particular women that we feel are at risk of this condition. Um, And some of those criteria include women that may have had gestational diabetes before, they have a family history of diabetes, they may be overweight or have a high body mass index, or they've previously had a big baby. And another obviously important risk factor is where their ethnic background lies, and so women that have been identified as this will undergo this screening test, and it's typically done between 26 and 28 weeks. Some women may be lucky enough to have one done at early in their pregnancy as well. But I don't know if you know much about it, Jesse, but it's this horrible sweet drink that women you know, get given, and what happens is they take a blood test when they're fasting, they drink the drink, and then we record another blood test two hours later. And what it's looking for is that body's ability to process the sugar... And obviously an elevated result, either at that fasting or two hours, may mean that they have gestational diabetes um, that's diagnosed then. And what would be the
2: problem or the impact of having gestational diabetes during pregnancy?
0: So gestational diabetes, it's one of these really specific conditions that's quite unique to pregnancy. And that's because in this cohort of women, um, what happens is they develop this diabetes picture because um, one of the hormones that the placenta produces changes their body sensitivity to insulin. And when one has gestational diabetes, it can impact on the pregnancy in lots of different ways. So it can be quite subtle. You know, it may not necessarily cause, you know, anything, but we know that the mother is at risk and that's because her sugar levels can change. So it may be that she, well, all women would adopt what we call a gestational diabetes diet. So that's cutting out any refined sugars. Um, What can happen is if their sugars are uncontrolled, they may need to go on a tablet called metformin or more seriously, an injection called insulin. And then when we look at the pregnancy and the baby, gestational diabetes can impact the baby on allowing that baby to grow really big because it's sort of within all this sort of sugary environment and its growth goes right up. And um, What can happen is the baby then wheeze a lot and so you can see a lot more amniotic fluid around the baby or polyhydramnios. Um, and then, of course, it can eventually sort of impact on the placenta and so there's risks associated with that. Having gestational diabetes also means that often we like to deliver the baby earlier and that will depend on the you know, mm. the severity of the condition. And so words we throw out, are, you know, induction of labour or all those sorts of things. Um, but that obviously mm. will depend on the condition and obviously what your obstetrician then discusses with you and what's the right thing to do by you and your baby.
2: Is there any way that you can avoid getting gestational diabetes or is it just one of those things that... Could unfortunately happen
0: yeah it's a really good question because I think I when I do my um, diabetes clinic you, you do feel sorry for some of these women because these some of these women that get diagnosed and probably the majority to be honest they're out there exercising every day they've maintained a really healthy body weight. They're eating, you know, a really well-balanced diet. But actually what predisposes them to this, it might be that they've got this sort of family link to diabetes or their ethnic background has changed, you know, their body's metabolism and its ability to react to the insulin. But what we say is, you know, if you want to really help your pregnancy and hopefully reduce your chances of gestational diabetes is therefore trying to maintain a healthy weight trying to exercise regularly to burn off that excess sugar um you know just basically trying to be healthy and that will give you your best possible shot of, of not developing it
2: and, and once you have it y- you
0: will have it for the rest of the pregnancy yeah so once we detect it we assume that that um for the rest of the pregnancy what we say is you've got gestational diabetes and obviously we then in the dietary changes um, that will hopefully curve your sugar and therefore Mm -hmm. you know uh, create a healthy environment for your baby to then grow in for the rest of your pregnancy. Interestingly as soon as that placenta is delivered the diabetes goes away Um, and so actually once the baby's delivered you no longer have it and what we always do to Mm -hmm. confirm is a blood test three months after the birth of your baby with your GP to make sure that it's gone away.
2: And are there any symptoms that could indicate gestational diabetes um for pregnant people before they go and get the test
0: yeah it's a, it's a good one because we know well you you may know um that with uh, i guess some of our pre-existing diabetes so type 1 diabetes you often hear of stories of friends who may have that you and they say oh when i was diagnosed i was really really thirsty and i kept going to the mm-hmm. toilet excessively it doesn't typically present like that to be really honest um but what i guess signs that it could be developing is when you go to either your midwife or obstetrician appointment and they do that little test on your urine it might be that there's starting to be glucose present in your wee some women say that they do feel thirstier Um, some women Mm -hmm. who gain excessive amounts of weight could be heading in that pathway and i guess they're sort of subtle things to sort of i guess think about in the picture and obviously then you know help us as clinicians um, point out that you know this is someone who needs to be screened for this condition
2: so so people that have gestational diabetes during their pregnancy can they still have the birth that they want to have a normal birth whatever that normal means to them?
0: Yes. So I I think one of the most challenging things for both a woman and, you know, either her midwives or obstetricians looking after her is when one's diagnosed with gestational diabetes, it, it, it can, for some women, feel like their world is crashing down around them. You know, this is not something that they intended to have, you know, that complicated their pregnancy. And obviously it can alter one's birth plan. You can still most definitely have, you know, either the vaginal delivery or if you were wishing for a planned cesarean section, you know, you still are able um, to have those options. What we take into context towards the end of that pregnancy is how is the diabetes doing? You know, what is the estimated size of your baby? And therefore, what's the most ideal time frame to deliver your baby in? Um, if you were wishing for a vaginal delivery, it may be that we do recommend an induction of labour at some stage, but that's obviously to help achieve that vaginal birth. From a, a point of view of, oh, can I use the poo, can I use you know the midwifery-led unit, that will really depend on your local hospital and what guidelines they have in mm-hmm. place. And obviously, in the foreground is that we're always trying to keep you and your baby safe um and so that's just something that you'll need to chat to either your midwife or obstetrician about and you know what i always say is you know be honest say what your ideal birth plan is and what we can always Mm. do is discuss okay this is something we can work at this is something we're happy to support or this is something we may just have to alter a little bit because of the diabetes going on
2: home births can that still happen
0: from a home birth perspective, that's a little bit trickier. Um, right. Something that you would also need to talk to the midwifery team on the home birth. And once again, it just depends on the severity. It may be that, you know, if this is diet control, gestational diabetes with a normal sized baby, mm-hmm. it could be something that they actually feel comfortable um, in dealing with in terms of that labor
2: let's go on to some other pregnant people's symptoms and questions this one's from frankie who sounds like she's lucky enough to be by the seaside
1: hi i
3: have been experiencing some terrible itching um i had some like itchiness on my like neckline and sort of under my armpits like maybe a month ago, five weeks ago. And I got diagnosed with like some sort of fungal rash thing, which is great. Um, so I started using some cream for that, uh, which did clear that up. But then it kind of like spread to my lower back and then slowly to like my hips and my the top of my shoulders. And that's now another kind of rash. Yay! Which the <laughs> which the doctor has now identified as what he calls, which I can't find anywhere. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know what it is, but um, he calls a kind of a prickly heat rash that is like akin to a type of eczema during pregnancy. I'm using hydrocortisol 1% just once a day in the evenings and some antihistamine as well I'm not sure if I've seen any improvement I don't even know if I'm going to get any improvement other than it's just going to maintain something, I'm hoping you're going to tell me that it's going to improve (laughs) in some way because it's driving me mental, or am I just to have this for the rest of my pregnancy for three months oh god
2: poor Frankie, that sounds really irritating and it's making me itch just thinking about it
0: (laughs) <laughs> Me too. That seaside air probably will help it as well, I think. Mm. Um, but from, from an itchy perspective, so Frankie's brought up a symptom that um, women can have and they can actually have it in the presence of a rash and not a rash. So in Frankie's case, she's got this sort of visible rash and it sounds like it's sort of spread in all sorts of areas. Um, and what uh, you know, what we have to think about is, okay, is this something related to an infection or a fungal-type rash, which she seems to have got a bit of both worlds there or is it a papular rash so what we used to call pops which is now the papular eruption of pregnancy and that sort of like raised little pustules um that tend to sort of appear first on the umbilical area or the abdominal area um or eczema and eczema can actually flare in in pregnancy mm. um and so it, She's she's got a, it. Sounds like she's had a bit of a picture of all sorts of things, um. But um, what uh, her clinical assessment showed now is whatever she's got now seems to be more related to eczema. And I will say, Frankie, that if you're on steroid cream, that will definitely help it, and hopefully that will reside over the coming days. What we also look for in pregnancy is this invisible rash, and so when someone presents with itchiness. Even though we may see something, so little pustules or redness, what we should also do is screen one for the invisible rash of pregnancy, which is called obstetric cholestasis or um, intrahepatic uh, cholestasis of pregnancy. And the blood tests we do for that um, look at your bile acid level and your liver function. And what can happen in pregnancy is, you know, very simply, that whole system sort of slows down. You get a rise in bile acids and then you feel really itchy. And so you just get this horrendous, itchy, invisible rash, especially on your hands and feet, um, and that that can then worsen. And there's all sorts of treatment that's available for that. When one's itchy, regardless of the type of rash it is, you can take symptom relievers, which would be in the form of antihistamines. So antihistamines are safe, and they just might help calm you down and not send yourself silly from scratching yourself everywhere.
2: And regarding the I will not, be able to remember how you just said it but the one that's affecting your liver and the bile from what i know isn't that something that um will potentially induce you earlier if it's very serious but can that also be managed throughout a pregnancy if you get it earlier than what I don't know 36 38
0: weeks yeah so um yeah so intrahepatic cholestasis of pregnancy or obstetric cholestasis rolls off the tongue oh I know I know how many (laughs) times I have to say today uh so yes so you are right It, it can be serious We've got a lot of research about this condition now, and actually a lot of it's derived from the UK. And what we know is that when it comes dangerous is when the bile acids actually go above 100. And that's actually quite rare um, these days to see that. Um, But obviously if one's diagnosed with this condition you are monitored very closely and that may include weekly or twice weekly blood tests regular reviews by your obstetrician and it can be that what we recommend is an earlier delivery but that will depend on that bar acid result and everything else that's going on.
2: Thanks Jess and thank you Frankie and I hope you stopped itching by now love. Um, We have a voice note from Alice
0: about nipples. Hi my name's Alice, I'm Almost 27 weeks pregnant with my first child. We're expecting a boy in May and we are so excited. So one question that I have is, why have my nipples become so much darker throughout my pregnancy?
2: Girl, that is, I mean, mine are not only dark, mine are the size of, how did I describe it the other day? A Celebrations Twix bar. <laughs> <laughs> they are huge. You could hang like a really big winter coat on my nipples at the moment so I feel Uh, you why does this happen
0: yes yeah so Alice I don't think it's to do with the fact you're carrying a boy on board I will just put that out there (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah so uh Skin can undergo a lot of pigmentation changes. So I don't know if anyone's ever seen before, but some women get these sort of melasma-type spots on their faces, sort of around their peripheries. Um, some women get this what we call a linear nigra. It's sort of that line down the center of your abdomen, sort of a vertical running line. And then some women just end up with these color changes on their nipples. And it's actually just to do with the the pregnancy hormones and the skin just being a little bit more sensitive. Um, It it can be a little bit more sensitive to the melanin or the sort of the pigmentation that that's responsible on our skin. Um, It's not harmful. It does mean you can still breastfeed. Your breasts will still function as normal. It's just that's what the skin changes are undergoing.
2: And isn't it um, a way for the baby to be able to see where it's going to when it's trying to breastfeed? Don't ruin this myth for me, Jess. I don't want your medical knowledge to ruin this beautiful gift of the fact that our nipples go so different in colour. It's for the baby to navigate its
0: way to the boob. Right? Oh, definitely. I, I'm happy to quote that one in the future. Definitely. Just for
2: you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm going with it. I think that's I think that's a very beautiful way to embrace it. So we've had all our voice notes, but we do have some questions, which is courtesy of the Positive Birth Company. We've got um, from Rachel, who's 26 weeks pregnant. She says, I feel so bruised down there. And then we've also got one from Chelsea
0: who says is it normal to
2: find sex uncomfortable my vagina is so swollen
0: yeah so i i think what what is paramount from these questions is actually it's once again all those body changes um and the vagina can be really dry in pregnancy it can be you know deprived of some of the usual sort of hormones that are responsible for creating a soft environment um down below and so what you can find is um your skin or the mucosal lining becomes really dry Um, What I recommend that if you have these symptoms and you're going to be engaging in sexual activity, you know, don't feel afraid to use lots of lubrication. It may be that positional change eases those symptoms as well. Um, And then I think also in some cases it just might be, you know, uh, maybe doing a little bit more foreplay or those sorts of things to help encourage um, the natural lubrication.
2: Well, listen. That's, that sounds that sounds uh, generous enough of our partners to do that for us. So, thank you to everybody who sent in questions and voice notes. We really appreciate it, and hopefully, it's reassuring to know that you're not the only person in that boat. Now, Jess, what is going on with the baby at twenty six to twenty eight weeks?
0: Which vegetable are we on now? <laughs> I, know. I love looking these up. Uh, so this baby, so roughly the baby is about 35 centimetres long. So I remember using those mm-hmm. rulers when you're at school and, you know, you're sort of getting to a good yeah. length now. Um, and the baby generally weighs between s- seven and 800 grams. So, you know, it's, it's, it's growing. Um, what vegetable they describe is a head of a kale, um <laughs> oh yes oh yes I can
2: just imagine that right
0: now I know I know what a head of a kale a head is. of a kale but got it I I guess yeah it, maybe a, a rock melon or something like that maybe a pawpaw um would be a bit more appropriate but yeah we're getting bigger we're getting bigger um and of course you would notice that now by you know this is where you start to feel those regular baby movements thank
2: you so much Jess McMicking for coming on when you are Absolutely zonked, and you've just (laughs) delivered a baby. We really appreciate it. On behalf of me and all the pregnant women and people out there, thank you so much for being here.
0: Always a pleasure. Thank you, Jessie.
2: Thank you so much to Jess McMicking for joining us after a heavy night of delivering babies, which is the end goal for all of us, I think. So, yeah, um, it's getting real now. So, I hope you're all right. Hope you're feeling okay. Hope this podcast has helped you. If you like it, subscribe, like, and share with your mates, your pregnant mates because we're the ones that are interested in all these bits and bobs. I don't know if anybody else is, but we certainly are. I certainly am, even three times having a baby. Take care. Lots of love. See you next episode.
1: pig.com